Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm April Fallon. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody, this is April Fallon, your host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story on your adoption show. Well, this is season seven, and we are super excited. It's also the holiday season, which is amazing to be doing this show through the holiday season and bringing you these great stories. If you are new to Adoption Now, we are a community of adoptees, birth parents, and adoptive parents. We're passionate about hearing all voices of the triad. Hearing the whole story of everyone involved can help you understand what is really going on in the story and help you become more educated on adoption and understand it in a deeper level. Noah and I have four children through adoption, and I'm super grateful for this podcast. I really am. All the resources and understanding it has brought to our family If you've been touched by Adoption Now, we would love to hear from you. Lately, we've been getting some messages and it has encouraged us so much and helped us. We would love to hear from you. You can send us a review. You can send us a message on social media, or you can email us at info at adoptionnowpodcast.com. Okay, speaking of reaching people, I am so honored and blessed today to have a birth mother on. First of all, a birth mother is always amazing when we have them come on and share their stories. But this is a birth mother from Ireland. Can you believe that? Ireland. I know. We arranged it. It's on video. I just can't believe it. I just am super excited. She is a birth mother who has just written a book, Does My Son Take Sugar? An Irish Mother's Memoir, A True Story of Love, Scandal, Regret, and Reunion. Etna Ring, welcome to the show. Hi, April. Lovely to be with you this evening. I'm so excited and honored to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, let's start at the very beginning when you found out that you were pregnant. Okay, so I was 19 in 1983. I had been going out with my boyfriend for about two years, and then I discovered that I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And in Ireland in the 1980s, It really wasn't an option to keep your baby if you weren't married. I had to tell my mom, who had just lost my dad, her husband, at the age of 49. Mm. And I had to come with this news that I was pregnant a few months after my dad had passed away. So at that time in Ireland, it was really shameful. And there was great secrecy attached to a crisis pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So... After I told my family, uh, they went to an organization called Cura, which was a crisis pregnancy agency. And what they were trying to do was help me, even though somebody might people people might think they were sending me away. But everybody really went away for their last six months of confinement if they weren't going to get married and keep their child. Okay. How old were you? I was 19. And your father had just passed away. Where are you in the family? How many kids? And- I'm little, neglected. Middle, <laughs> two, two above and two below. Okay, so five kids in your family. You're in the middle. Yes. And you tell your mom, how did she respond? Oh, I mean, I told my older sister and she said, okay, we need to tell mom. So I said, of course. So she came down. She was working in another part of Ireland and she came down and we told my mom on a bank holiday weekend in October. Mm-hmm. And we just said those words. 
And she just got up and went to the kitchen for a glass of water. And honestly, April, when she came out of the kitchen, I just felt like, can, could you just send my mother back in? Because this old woman came out of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in crisis with this pregnancy. I was so upset that I upset the whole family. But she was devastated because she adored my dad. She was a new widow. And now this was a crisis and she was fearful for me. Mm-hmm. So then I just like cowered away like a little child for a couple of months. I didn't open my mouth. I didn't ask any questions. I didn't ask about any decisions that were being made. I just went with the flow. And the Ireland flow was you went to a host family in another part of Ireland and hid away for your six months of confinement. And there was a story made up that I was gone to France to uh, be an au pair for a French family. Okay. And with no social media, it was believable. Okay. You have so many questions. And I was so scared. I I didn't tell my friends. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. So you hid the pregnancy and then you were now going to be an au pair and being shipped away. Yes. Yes. What about your boyfriend? Had you been in a relationship Uh, a long time, did you say? Yes. Okay. Yes. I was with my boyfriend for two years. He was just a few years older than me. But, you know, a crisis pregnancy was just that in Ireland in the 1980s. You know, if you if you got pregnant and you weren't ready to get married, and certainly I probably wasn't ready to get married at 19, just the only option seemed to be at the time was just to go away. And because of that, then the relationship was meant to, we'll say, finish. Did you want to keep the baby? You know, oh, 110%. Mm. 110%. But that wasn't but even an option. Felt, uh, yes. No, I didn't feel so much shame as some people talk about. I didn't feel shame, but I felt I let them down. And I really felt the secret had to be kept secret. Mm-hmm. So I didn't make waves. I didn't ask for anything for myself. I just feel like, I just felt like I broke the Queen's, I don't know, best kingdom. China. You brought and the I, kingdom yeah, down. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I just felt I just felt like I just cowered away and went away for six months, didn't ask for anything, you know. Okay, talk yeah. to me about the host family. Were they nice to you? The host family were nice. I always <laughs> they weren't my family, of course. So you just felt so alone. And because you hadn't told anybody, I hadn't told my friends, you didn't have any mobile phones. You were there, not like an intruder, but you just felt like an intruder. You just mm. felt you were in the way. And again, you felt like you were bringing more hurt and more upset to another family. But like they were very nice to me. They had a two-year-old that they had adopted, a little girl. And then they went on to have a boy themselves. He was four months. So okay. I did general household duties and stayed there for six months. Did you think that they would adopt your baby? No, because in those times in Ireland, it was really left to, we'll call it the powers that be. Mm-hmm. And they organized the adoption, like the church and the state. They would organize the adoption. So okay. if I, had, I, I did not know where it was going. I had no Oh, so you didn't pick the family. No, no, no. You weren't allowed at those times. Okay. So it was really, it they was would really not. Archaic. Okay. They would not have adopted because it was closed and they knew you. So that wouldn't have worked out. Yeah. That wasn't okay. allowed in those times. It just didn't happen in those times. How did you feel when you saw the way that she was with her adopted child? Did it give you any peace? I I, I don't even think I looked at it like that. I, I kind of felt, I, I, I just didn't look at her. I mean, I knew she loved her two children equally. She adored them. 
But I just, I didn't think of it like that that child was adopted and that's the way it will be. I just knew 110% I did not want to give up this child. Like I often say, if somebody, somebody says, if you could turn back time, you know, would you have adopted, would you have kept your child? I right. said, I would have cut off my limbs hmm. to keep my child. I really, I really, really wanted to keep my child. I feel that so many people yeah. right now are listening, birth mothers, and and they they understand. Yeah. And us adoptive mothers, we yeah. like our heart breaks too. I mean, it's just yes. such a painful process. Talk to us about. Yeah. Did your family reach out to you? Did your Did you talk to your mom? Well, you see, what they did was they kept in contact. Like they came down to see me every week. But again, that was in secrecy. Oh, it's oh. amazing to try and even understand that. So we would sit in the back of a car and have a chat and have a sandwich and have a flask of tea. But we didn't go into any place like a hotel or mm-hmm. a restaurant because, again, they were trying to protect me. So then we didn't go out anywhere. I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. bizarre. It yeah. sounds like the 1930s, you know? It does. But that's, it... what, that's what happened, you know? And was this Catholic? Was the, yes. were you Catholic? Okay. So talk to me about the day he was born. Well, first of all, did you know that you were having a boy? No, no. Okay. No, no, no. Oh. But I mean, there's a lovely part to this. The house that I stayed in, they had a GP, like a doctor. Mm-hmm. And that was the doctor I attended to for my pregnancy. Okay. And she was a beautiful, beautiful human being. And I went to see her once a week for my pregnancy visits. And then when I went into labor, the host family that I stayed with, they rang her and she brought me to the hospital, the GP, you know, at like 10 o'clock at night. So he was born at three o'clock in the morning. But the sad part was, you know, when you would deliver your baby, after you delivered your baby, you were just left there. Mm -hmm. And my baby was taken and put into a little cot and you were just left there, you know, the following day, nobody came to see you, no counsellor came, no nurse came, nobody offered you a cup of tea, nobody came and said, you should go up and hold your baby, maybe you should hold your baby, would you like to hold your baby? And I was just left there in a bed on my own, in a ward surrounded by women who had their child beside them. Oh my gosh. And again, my heart was broken. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just felt I'm such a bold girl, I can't ask for anything. I haven't the right to ask for anything. And that was on a Wednesday night. And I used to go up and look at him in his little cot. And sometimes I go in and hold him. And sometimes I feel like maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. I had no clarity. And then on Friday morning, as I walked up the corridor, the nurse came up to, to me and she just said, you can go now. He's gone. Mm. And that was it. And like nobody, nobody had said, you know, would you like to say goodbye? I didn't even know the day he was leaving. You know what I mean? The, like I always say, if adoption in Ireland was the answer, where was the humanity? Right. And where was the kindness? Right. Was there nobody, I mean, you know, that would even say, look, let's just give this woman a cup of coffee. Right. You know, maybe, maybe we should go down, bring her down to the little cubicle and meet him hold him, have a little ritual. Mm-hmm. And they just said to me, you can go now. He's gone. I'll never forget those words. I was going to read those words. You have them in your in your book. Yeah. What was the yeah. date he was born? Oh, 29th of May. May 29th. Okay. There yeah. is a part in your book where you say, my beautiful baby, 
He was never a problem in my eyes, just in the public eye, in the church's eye, in everyone's eye, but not in mine. And that is just, it's so true what you said, just the humanity part. That's what we're doing now here. And this, this is what this book is all about is, is talking about the humanity. Wait, this woman just had a baby that she wanted and now the baby's gone. So what happened after that? You don't even know where he went. And then you just went back home. No. Well, you know, when they said that to me, you know, he's gone. I walked out of the hospital with my little suitcase and I hopped into the back of a car. It was the man, I call him Michael in the book. That was the host family. So we drove home about three miles. And April, I climbed those stairs to my bedroom and I did 100 sit-ups because I felt if I come home thin to my hometown, Mm -hmm. people will say, oh, she hasn't got a belly. You know, she never had a baby. That's just lies. Because in those times, you know, now everybody hops into their jeans and, you know, three days later, they're as slim as, you know, pre-pregnancy. And I kind of felt, oh, if I do. And imagine in my my mind, I felt I better do some Mm sit-ups. You know, two days after having a baby, that's what my mind was like. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like you have to continue on the lie. Like how can you cover up more, you know, that your mentality was so... I mean, uh, yeah. honestly, it's it's also in a light so sweet that you had such, um, I don't know, loyalty to your family and to your mother mm-hmm. that you really yeah. wanted to honor mm-hmm. what she was doing, even though yeah. it was wrong, that you mm-hmm. were really willing to to do this for the sake of the family. Yeah. But yeah. what is that well, thing? Adoption came into, oh, sorry, April. Adoption came into Ireland in 1952. Okay, And there was 52,000 children were adopted. And that was 40 a week. 40 children every week in a small country. So it's not that my parents were my mom. It's not that she was ashamed as such, but it was a shameful thing to happen. And the secrecy had to happen then Mm -hmm. to protect me. Right. You know, it was like, you know, but I mean, I really want to scream from the top and say, I want my baby. Right. And there was probably but no counseling no. afterwards. You never talked okay. about it. What about no. your boyfriend? What happened? Did you ever see him again? Uh, we, we always kept in contact and he used to come down and see me, but again, in secrecy. So when I came back, to my hometown, it was very difficult to say, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to just carry on now with my old boyfriend, you know, you know, would you like that? Mm Because I knew they would be upset, upset for me, upset that the relationship mightn't work. Right. So we we met in secrecy for quite a while. Now, because it's not that we didn't have people's blessings, but people were kind of thinking in their head, well, that didn't work out. So it's not going to work out. So don't go there. Mm-hmm. But we stayed together, and I always had such a love for my boyfriend. But I also had such a love for my child, and I wanted, if ever my child came back, that he could look at us as a little circle of people me, mm-hmm. his dad, like a unit. Mm-hmm. Do you know? So that was always my, my wish. So uh, if I want to move forward and tell you, we got married. What? Myself and my boyfriend. Yes, the, we got married. The dad? Yes. Of, your, of the baby? Yes. You yes. got married? How long after? Yes, got married. In 1991. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. were you thinking you should have gotten married and just kept the baby? I mean, did that cross your mind? If it was going to work out anyways? Well, do you know what? 
I, I always felt that my husband had great love for me, but I always felt that he wasn't really ready for marriage. And I kind of felt that, you know, if we go ahead with the marriage, he's just not quite ready. You know what I mean? And I, I, I just felt if we go ahead with the marriage, it might break down. But when you know, you know. And I knew at a certain stage, albeit a few years later, I knew he was now mature and I knew he was now ready. And I also wanted us to have a unit that when my son came back, if he came back, that I would say, look, it was just a love story all along. And, you you know, you were wanted, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. It breaks my heart in some ways, but I hear what you're saying that yes, yeah. you weren't ready at the time and it might have been a complete well, disaster. Look, I, I would have been ready at 14 if I could have kept my child, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I really well, you know, I would have. You know, and it wouldn't have been a sacrifice for me. I just, I, I just so wanted to keep my child. So Joe, your husband is the one who reached out to me. So, yes. but he didn't mention, hey, we placed a baby, right? Yeah. He's just talking, yeah. he's promoting your book yep. and he's helping you. Yeah. But this is also his story. Yes. I mean, I just yeah. thought that he was like the second and he's like, oh, I'm going back with you in this time, honey. I, I support you. But he's. Like part of the story. Let's bring him on. Yeah. Okay. So, Joe. This is Joe. This is Joe. Hi, Joe. How Welcome to the show. Thank you very so, much, April. It's lovely to talk to you. Oh, lovely to talk to you and see you as well, because this is also on video on YouTube. But, Joe, I can't believe this. Like, we not only have a birth mother from Ireland, we also have a birth father from Ireland. Indeed. Let's talk to you oh. just for a second. Okay. Oh, wait, what were you going to say? You're not from Ireland? I'm going to say, I'm you guys are just happy. really good <laughs> at this accent. <laughs> I am happy for you too. But let's talk about what you went through, why she's being sent away. Right. And you guys were older. I mean, 19 and you're a little bit older than that. So it's not like you I were. I was 24 April at the time. I okay. was 24. And I suppose back then I was sort of. I, I I lived my life. I, I was enjoying life, and it was a suppose a jack the lad to a degree. I enjoy, I, I enjoyed life to the full. Mm-hmm. And when this happened, I came from a big family myself of thirteen, and I don't not I blame and blame them for any of this, but I I think there was a lot of insecurity in me at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing about it was April. I, uh, my my story really was every day since to this day it breaks my heart. To know that even though I feel that if I had stayed, personally, if I had stayed, I don't think we'd be together now. Mm-hmm. Because I think there would have always been a want in me or a desire to, what if? And so when we did get married, we were, I was ready. Etna was probably always ready. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I suppose it was one of those things. And uh, it, it worked out for the best in the end. Thanks be to God, as yes. they say. But um uh, I think it was a bit of insecurity, also hidden the sand stuff. You know, I mean, when Etna was gone away, I did go down a few times to her. I always thought of her. I missed her. I was confused. I just didn't know where to go with myself. And I suppose you put your head in the sand and just get on with it. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, it was when I wrote the piece, April, it was um, that's when really it hit me. You know, and uh, she, she, Etna asked me, would I do a chapter? Mm-hmm. And I said, certainly. And I felt that. I'd probably do the chapter, maybe write it in 20 minutes, maybe a day. So when I have to set down to do it, I suppose it still hits me. It hurts me. You know, it, 
it broke me and it fixed me mm. because I probably I counseled myself. You know, I went there and I I started. It took me six months, April, to finish it. Oh my god! Because I just it just it broke me. It just every time I go back to it, it just. But it did it did fix me because when I got it down on paper and I was totally honest about everything and I promised myself that it would be that I told the most honest story. I, I just feel so honest about it that I felt it was probably one of the greatest things I ever did to put it down. And to have it down on paper, it will always be there mm-hmm. for everyone to see. And what they make of it, it, as I said in the book, they can make of it what they want, make of me what they want. Right. But I told it as honestly as I could. Yes, you and, told your truth. And, but it still breaks me, mm-hmm. paper, to this day. I mean, even I had to go there when you were interviewing it because every time it comes up, I just... I just, you know, I'm just broken and I have to go on. So it is the way, it is what it is, it's life. But at least it, we, it worked out okay. You know, we, we ended up in a in a good place and, you know, with triplets. Whoa, wait, let's talk about that in a second. But really quick, talk to me about May 29th every year. That was the hardest year, like day of my life always. Mm -hmm. And the very sad part of this, when my child was placed for adoption, I asked for three things. First time I asked for anything in the whole confinement. I asked that my son would be first in a family because I wanted the excitement and the news to be big. Of course for the parents, but of course also for the community. You know, just big news. Oh, you know, John and Mary got a baby, you know, or Mm -hmm. Pat and Agnes got a baby. So I wanted that Secondly, I wanted him to be in a Catholic home. Don't ask me why, but that's what I was. I was Catholic. And the third thing I wanted uh, was, and it was a big request, but I did ask, could I have a picture and a letter every May just to see how he was? And those wishes were granted. Oh. The only thing, yeah, but the only thing is because you don't have any address for the family he's with or you don't have any location, it has to be done through the agencies. So my agency, um, I would request the letter and her agency, which was down in Cork, they were to send the letter that she sent to her agency up to my agency. Then they would send that to my home address. In Italy, I always knew that his mom was a beautiful mom. I just knew it in my soul and my heart that she was a lovely woman. I knew she wrote every year and I knew she took the pictures every year. I also knew she had them taken in early May that I would have them in plenty of time. Mm. But I would never, ever get the letter mm. because the nun down in her agency would just not post them up. So I would have to ring the agency and just say, hi, I'm, I, I presume you have a letter there for me and, and some photos. You know, can you send them up? Oh, yes, we will. And then I would walk from my place of work half an hour out the road at lunchtime, open that door and look at the blank mat, no letter. Back again the next day, ring the Adoption Society and say, sister, I believe you have a letter there and a picture. Oh, I think, it, yeah, does he have a sibling? I think there's pictures here. And I say, could you please send them up? It's his birthday tomorrow. I would walk out again to the house, not, no, no letter. And maybe the third phone call, she might say, oh, I didn't have any stamps. Mm. And I kind of feel, you know, she looked at me as a lesser person. Yeah. She because did. I had given this baby, you know, I had a baby out of wedlock. She right. just looked at me as a lesser person. And those days, if I didn't have that letter, I couldn't connect. And I cried mm-hmm. and I cried and I cried all day. None of my friends knew. 
I had to walk back to work. And by the time I got close to the town, I had to dry the floods of tears that flowed down my face. And my body was nearly convulsing with sadness. And I had to go back to work and pretend those. None of my friends knew of my pregnancy or my mm-hmm. baby. I, I told my best friend when my son was 11. Wow. And I had to wait for those letters. I mean, it was cruel. And I didn't realize how cruel I still felt. You know, you're such a bold girl. You know, you don't deserve this. Mm-hmm. But in my heart, I knew I did. And you, you know. eventually got the letters though, right? Oh, yeah. But I mean, a week late. Oh, Do you know right, what I mean? Right. Like she wouldn't send him you know, before his birthday in the time. You know, and I so you had to go through the grief. For his birthday, right. Just to look at him. You know what I mean? Just to look at a picture of him, you know? But again, I knew his mom had, had done her piece, you know? You know? Okay. So yeah. Joe mentioned that you guys got married and went on to have triplets. Triplets in 1997. Yes. So we had two girls and a boy. So now I have two girls and two boys. Oh, it was fabulous. Fabulous. But again, Mm. so many people didn't even know about my firstborn, you know? Right. But uh, yeah, so we had triplets and they were just absolute joy. You know, it was, you know, now I, I did feel quite sad because, you know, my other child was missing. Right. But uh, yeah. So when the children were nine, I just said to Joe, you know, we need to get, we need to tell these children about their sibling mm-hmm. because I, I just think it's wrong, you know, that they wouldn't know the truth. So we brought them to the cinema one Friday evening and we said, after the cinema, we're going to come back and have a little hot chocolate and we just have to tell you a little story. So I told them all about our lives together and how we had their, their sibling in 1983 and that um, we weren't allowed to keep him at the time and there were nine at the time when I told them and my son my younger son he was the youngest triplet he says mum did you keep your receipt can we go and get him back now (laughs) so that was yeah that was quite cute but it was so lovely because they knew then that he existed. Right. And then if we roll forward, if you want to talk about that yes. in 2008. You and his adoptive mother connected right through these letters. Yeah. So that's how we connected. And then one year I got a letter from um, my son's mother and she just said, you know, enough is enough. This is my true name. This is my address. And this is my mobile. So please ring me if you like to ring me. What did you do so, when you got yeah. that letter? Did you freak no, out? I, <laughs> I ran up and rang her. Yes, yeah. So we connected straight away. What did you say yeah. when you called her? So, I mean, like we just, of course, it was, we talked about our son, you know, totally. Mm-hmm. And she just said, um, do, you, do you ever, you know, what do you do on his birthday? And I said, actually, I go down south. Because every year I felt he was down south of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, if you'd, like, if you'd like to come down, you know, we could meet. <gasps> and my son was in college. So I went for three years in a row every May mm-hmm. and met my son's mom. And um, I hadn't even met him at the stage. Did you yeah. like her? Oh, she is amazing. She's beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. And my friend often says to me, how can you call her his mother mm-hmm. and I said she is his mother and she said I, I, I just I, I, I can't do that and I said look I gave him life and she gave him living mm-hmm. and that is that is you know she's such a beautiful woman we just get on so well 
And when I go down to see my son, when I go down south, um, his mom lives just a half a mile away. And uh, I know in the text messages, he's saying to his mom, oh, Etna's coming today. So, you know, so she'll pop up to the house about, you know, maybe two hours after we arrive. And she'll just come up and we just give each other a big bear hug. And then we just go over on Neil's sofa and we sit and chat. And I can see Neil in the corner of my eye. He's putting on the kettle for a cup of coffee. And I know he's just saying, that's just great. He likes it. So he was, so you eventually met him and Joe, Joe met him as well. So how long did did that take? Because he's already in college now when you're meeting his mother. already in college. And Neil's mom used to say to me, I will tell him you're looking for him, but he's in the middle of college. Mm -hmm. So when he finished his college, she gave him my mobile. But very kindly of her, she didn't tell me that she gave my mobile in case he never rang me or in case he didn't ring for six months. And I'd be looking at my phone every day. And about two days after she rang, she gave him the number, he rang me. And he said, hi, this is Neil. (laughs) Just like that. No warning. Uh, He's very kind of cool casual guy and he said um, I was thinking of coming up to the west of Ireland to see yourself and Joe and I said sure so he came up uh, a week later on the Saturday so we had the weekend together oh what was that like Joe where are you what was that like <laughs> I'm here I'm here I'm back yeah yeah <laughs> that was wonderful well it, it, it was and it wasn't yeah if I'm being honest you felt bad yeah I felt bad April Mm-hmm. Because I, I I felt I had let everybody down. And it was probably that one time and maybe doing my piece for the book that it hit me. And I felt sort of inadequate, for want of a better word. Because Edna went and met him and went with him. And I felt I didn't have the right. Mm. But, and then that weekend, I just felt, he was such a cool guy and such a nice do you ever meet somebody who just didn't have a bad bone in his body? He was just mm-hmm. a nice, calm, decent young fella. And I just, yeah, I felt bad, April, if I've been honest. And he went back and uh, we built a relationship. But he was very, we were very, we got on great. Don't get me wrong. We got on, we got on very, very well. Do you look alike? Uh, I think he looks like me. Really? Yeah, he looks What about your ch- yeah. other children? Does he look like your other children? He's very like David, our youngest. Okay. So you saw the family resemblance. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I then uh, over the over time we built a fantastic relationship, Mm -hmm. and um, I think he came up here a lot of times, and I think he saw who we were and what we were, and it did him good. You know, if he felt, as I say in, um, in, as I say in Westport, he came from good stock. Yeah. You know, so I, I felt that um, he he knew he was a, he came from from good stock and he was he was happy with that. And then his mother, his adopted mother and father, they were good stock. Yeah. So he was very very he was very lucky, as were we. So it, it just was wonderful. It was just and his mom adores him. Yes, adores him. Oh, I love that. Did she have more children? Did she she had a. She adopted a girl oh, about two years later. Okay. So she has two yeah. adopted children. Yes, I love yeah. this story. It is it is so heartwarming yeah. and so wonderful that the yeah. two of you stayed together. Did you feel like you needed to explain to him what happened? Did you tell him? Do you know, the day he came to meet us, I was ready with all these 
stories mm-hmm. and he was just like hi you know have a cup of coffee he didn't ask any questions but what's beautiful beautiful about our relationship even though we get on we get on very well together when i did the launch of my book in uh, june we i decided i'd have a little launch in our local hotel so my friends would say, oh, make sure Neely comes, make sure Neely comes. And I said, no, 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 no. It's like I would never ask him to do anything. I wouldn't want him to be uncomfortable. So I'd given him the book and I said, if you don't like the book, if you don't want anything, any part was written, I will just bin it. You know what I mean? I just right, wanted right. him to be comfortable. He said, no, no, that's okay. So when the launch was coming up in June, I didn't even invite him. I just said, Neely, we're having the launch on the 18th of June you're more than welcome. And he said, well, you know, you know me, I'm, I, you know, I, I wouldn't want any fuss. And I said, sure. So I didn't like to ask, you know, I just said, you know, it's, it's, it's happening. And two days beforehand, he said, oh, guess what? I'm coming up. So he came up. So, yeah. So I was hoping that I would have maybe 50 people at the launch, maybe 60 mm-hmm. people. Cause you know, for a book launch, sometimes people just start, don't show up. So 400 people came to the launch. Oh, how wonderful. That is so wonderful. And he was there like like the guest of honor, right? Yeah. Yes. So So, amazing. Yeah. And what I did was I picked two pieces in the book. So I read the two pieces, you know, Mm -hmm. from the podium for the 400 people. And I just read them very, you know, full of sentiment. And I just read them very slowly. And he was in the audience. And I think even though he read the book, he could hear my words saying, basically, you know, I wanted him from when he was a dot on a pregnancy kit. I just wanted my baby. So I think it kind of cemented our relationship completely. Yeah. You know, what about your family, your sisters, your children? Do they have a relationship? Oh, yes. 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 Now, you see, my children are 25 and Neely is now 39. So there is a age difference, of course. But, and, and of course, we don't see each other awful often. But I mean, when you think of a cousin or, you know, you often don't meet four times, four or five times a year. So what we normally do is we always go down for his son's birthday. So I am a granny. Aww. We go down for Neely's birthday and we have a summer visit and a Christmas visit. OK, so he comes here. So, it's you know, what a great yeah. story. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for for applying. Joe, how did you hear about adoption now? Joe's your marketing guy, I, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just figured that. Um, did you hear about her show? Yeah, your show. I figured that there must be um, other like-minded people. And I, I didn't find much in, in Ireland. So I just put in adoption and yours came up straight away on top. And I listened to some of your, which, and you were a brilliant interviewer, Mary Ed. Oh, I listened you. to some of your shows. Oh, no, you have a lovely way, a lovely, lovely way with you. And um, I listened to some of them, and they were just wonderful. And I just, and I just reached out to you, hope, hoped that you may take our story on, and you did. And yes. I'm so, so happy that you did. You know? Well, this is and thank so, you for it. I mean, that's yes. the bottom of my heart. Yeah, you know? well, maybe I'll have to come to Ireland. This is a big yeah, opportunity. Yeah. I'm Fallon, you know, yeah. I am Irish. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the west of Ireland is the best part of Ireland. Okay. So have to come and okay. Yeah. I'll remember that. I do want to tell everybody about this book. This book, it's just wonderful to read because not only is it a wonderful story and you get the background of your relationship with your family and your sisters and you tell many yeah. details in here. So you get a bigger picture than what we could do today in this podcast. Yeah, but it also has great sayings from Ireland. 
I was laughing at your sister's pet name. I was laughing at just the oh. way you talk and, you know, just yeah. those those expressions that we don't use in America. Right. Yeah. I just I enjoyed that a lot. And oh, I just you. I love that. And you are the type of people I can tell there's a, a silver lining. And we talk about it a lot in adoption now yeah. is that the strongest, most resilient yeah. people are always looking for that silver lining. Right. Always yeah. waiting yeah. for the pain to kind of turn into some there's going to be some joy that comes out of it. And yes, we yeah. see that God had his hand on your life and your children and really blessed yeah. your life yeah. and your family and brought you all together. And it's yes. like, even though through the pain, he was creating a big family for you and your son felt loved the whole time which is what birth parents really worry about is he gonna feel loved are they gonna know and it sounds like he did and he's very confident of that and I think this story will encourage birth parents but also adoptive parents and adoptees I appreciate you you both thank you and if anybody wants to find the book if you just put in etnaring.com you can get it. E-I-T-H-N-E, ethnaring.com, if anybody's looking for the book. Perfect. Thank you both so right. much. Okay. Thank, thank you, you so very much. much thank you very much, April. You were fantastic. Thank you. You too. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media. Thanks for joining us on your adoption show. See you next episode. <laughs>